0: I want to preach the message tonight, if that's cool. Can I preach the word tonight? Um, I'm very excited to preach. Felt like God put a word on our heart. And uh, who knows that next week is the week of consecration? Who's excited about that? Who knows what that means? This week, yeah. Well, next, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. It's tomorrow, yeah. I'm so excited for uh, seven days of prayer, worship, of fasting. And uh, it's going to be a great time together. But I'd love to bring the Word tonight, and uh, just like we ne- whenever any of us get on platform, we don't want to just preach the message, but um, hopefully our life is the message. Um, we all want to live according to His Word and according to His plans and His purposes for us. Um, and so I want to pray before we start, Lord, that you would come, and uh, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here with us, and we just thank you that... Um, Yeah, just your anointing is in the room. And I even just pray, Lord, that as I speak, Lord, that that there would just be hearts that are just receptive to hear what uh, I have to say. Lord, that they would be your words and not my own. Uh, Lord, but that you would just be glorified in this time that we share together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Ziggy, do not distract me tonight. I can see her just staring at me, and it's like, oh, man. Yeah, it's gonna be hard. Um, well, I'm gonna talk a little bit about culture tonight because I love talking about culture. It's a bit of a um, it's a bit of a hobby horse. I love to talk about some of the spicy things that are going on today in the world, and um, you know, keeping it real. Sometimes I get myself in a little bit of trouble um, because I, I I'm young. But I tend to hold the line a little bit and I kind of see things a little bit more black and white where the world tries to color over the lines. I believe that if the Bible says something, then it's truth. Um, may, may not be a position everyone holds, but this is the word of God and it can change your life if you let it. Um, and, you know, regardless of what the culture says around us, uh, I believe that we need to practice obedience, obedience to the word of God. Um, And it's not to say that living according to his word won't be hard. We know that obedience requires sacrifice, right? Um, But hallelujah that we have the Holy Spirit who lives in us and empowers us all. But, you know, you and I happen to be born into a time where we are surrounded by compromise. Where compromise has seeped its way into the church like never before. The Bible calls the church to be the city on the hill. Yeah, do you know in 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 America that the church is in decline in a lot of places shrinking due to compromises that happen on a daily basis. Uh and in the Protestant church alone there are over 70,000 denominations just in the Protestant church. Because where someone has a disagreement um or there's a misalignment in theology, uh there's rebellion and it leads to churches that are birthed out of offense. Uh, and often from this place of compromise. David Wells says this. I'm going to throw a few quotes at you tonight. I hope that's all good. Uh, It says, worldliness is what any culture does to make sin seem normal and righteousness seem strange. And this is what the world's doing right now. And it's important because if you don't understand the context which we are in, then you may not know you're actually called to live in obedience to the word. If you don't know that, you're going to struggle with your faith. Culture tries to bring the normalization to sin, sin being the separation from God. And this is what's putting pressure on the church right now, to conform to the image of the world. And throughout history, you you see this compromise rear its ugly head in two main ways. Um, The first one is this, theological compromise which is the mistrust in the authority of the Word of God. And can I just say, we're not the first generation to do this. This has been happening since the moment humanity touched the fruit. But we know that Satan hates the Word of God. He will do whatever he can to undermine it because it's filled with the hope for humanity. It's filled with promises for our destiny. And it's a reminder of everything that he can't have. And he knows that if he can sever you from the absolute truth of the Word of God, you'll be left with what subject of truth and so he asks his favorite question does anyone know his favorite question did god really say nice nice job and isn't it interesting how one question can sow such deep seeds of doubt in your spirit so that's the first area theological compromise the second one is this moral compromise Theo Hobson, who was a British theologian, said, what was universally condemned is now celebrated. What was universally celebrated is now condemned, and those who refuse to celebrate it are now condemned too. And we see that play out out now. Uh, People say that we are living on this side of what is called the sexual revolution, one of the biggest revolutions in history, probably since the Industrial Revolution. But even beyond sexuality, like we love to ask questions, why? Like, why do we believe that? We love to, to twist fundamental truths. And the devil, we know he loves to adulterate anything that is good and twist it and use it for evil. And do you know what the Bible says about this? In Isaiah 520, it says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. J.C. Ryle says there is a common worldly kind of Christianity in this day which offends nobody, requires no sacrifice, which costs nothing and is worth nothing. We even had someone come along into our church recently and they said hey our last church wasn't actually quite progressive enough um, because of the way we were living and so we want to find a church that's more progressive and It was kind of heartbreaking, to be honest, because in my mind, I'm like, oh, it's interesting. In my heart, I knew this probably isn't the right church, because if you're looking for a progressive church, this isn't a church that's going to cherry-pick scriptures for your liking. This isn't a church that's going to tickle your ears. What is true, though, is that this is a real community where we are growing together more and more into the image of Christ where we do speak the truth in love. We're a church that's built on the word of God and on the ways of Jesus. And in so many places, it can be so willing to compromise our theology, our morals, our beliefs. And there are so many in the church today who are not willing to lay down their lives to Jesus. And so I believe that the church needs to rediscover one thing. One thing. It's the one thing that'll cause individuals to be reconciled with God's purposes for them. It's the one thing that'll bring churches back into alignment with God's mission. It's the one thing that'll cause Christians to live a life of power. And that is this the church needs to rediscover consecration. And the title of my message tonight is From Compromise to Consecration. Consecration means. Presenting ourselves to the Lord as a living sacrifice sacrifice to be declared holy and set apart to be used for his mission. Presenting ourselves to the Lord as a living sacrifice to be declared holy and set apart to be used for his mission. I love the scripture in, in Titus 2.11. It says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. What a verse around consecration. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And so when culture is calling at us and calling us to compromise and to conform, Jesus is inviting us into a life of consecration. And let me tell you, nothing will bring you more in alignment with God than When you consecrate yourself to Him, when you set yourself apart for Him. That's why Gideon talks about the secret place a lot. In fact, all of the great moves throughout history and throughout the Bible started with someone who was willing to set themselves apart for the Lord. I believe that we need to rediscover the art of consecration. And we're going to look at an example in the Bible. Uh, I'd love if you could turn with me if you have your Bibles. Joshua 3 I didn't really hear the pages turning I reckon we should make Bibles great again we should bring them back to church along with notepads should that be our challenge for us for next week everyone bring a physical Bible if you don't have a physical Bible come let me know I'll buy you one on the church budget (laughs) Joshua 3 And it's reading from verse 1, and it says this. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from a place that I'm not allowed to say in church. And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and... Commanded the people, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you about two thousand cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go. Then Joshua said to the people, Get this, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you and Joshua said to the priest take up the ark of the covenant pass on before the people so they took the ark of the covenant and went before the people so Joshua here is speaking as the spiritual leader and he's speaking to the other leaders in the camp and the Israelites in this story a lot of you will be familiar with it like they're right on the verge of taking the promised land like who's read exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy, these guys are just like slogging away in the wilderness. I mean, the Lord provides for them, which is great. But these guys are literally right on the brink of the promised land. They can see it. They can smell it. But they're stopped in their tracks as their leader says to them, first, let's consecrate ourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among us. And I love in this passage, if we can just break it down a little bit, in this passage, Joshua, the leader of Israel, he doesn't say if you consecrate yourself, God's going to do great things. He says, consecrate yourselves. Because that's what consecration is all about. Reality is God will fulfill his plan and his purposes, whether we're consecrated or not. God's will will prevail. Consecration is actually about us getting in tune and getting into alignment with what he's already doing. In other words, God's already doing it. It simply lines us up with his plan, his mission. And I I love that they're on the brink of something huge, about to take the the, the land that's been promised for generations and generations. But before they can, Joshua says, consecrate yourselves. Reality is you, you can't consecrate for the person next to you. You can't be obedient for the next person. And, and and your dedication isn't enough for the person beside you. But it says, consecrate yourselves. Like only you can do it. You can't rely on our pastor's faith. You can't rely on that preaching snippet that we hear on Instagram. That's actually really good. But, but it says, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord would do amazing things among you. And I hear that and I think, wow, what an encouragement. You know, we often discount ourselves. We write ourselves out of the story. We think that great things will happen somewhere else in the world, in another city, in another place, in a different time or era. But surely not here in Christchurch. Hey, nah. But what if our city, our region, our nation is not exempt from the great things that God wants to do? For tomorrow, God will do amazing things things among us and so that's what they did they consecrated themselves and then they went ahead with the ark which symbolizes the presence of the lord so they went with the presence and they took a hold of the promised land is this all right by the way you guys are real quiet tonight holy um and i want to be practical and i want to ask you know what what is consecration and and i think the more important question is how do we, how do, we do consecration? Because we can throw around fancy words in church, right? But until, until we actually know what it means, know how we can do it, what the implications are for our lives, that's where the rubber hits the road. And I kind of want to propose that consecration is typically marked by three practices. And the first one is cleansing, that we're cleansed from something. That before we come into the presence of God, we get cleansed. And we're going to go more into these later. Uh, but that's the first one. The second one is sacrifice. Is there anything that the Lord is saying to you in this season for you to sacrifice? And man, I just I, I want to comment on this because I know firsthand how limited time is, how limited your energy is, your finances are. Your relational energy is limited. And and so I want to give you a really practical tip. Um that actually what you've got to do is you've got to make trades. So trade something like Disney Plus, because I know Netflix gets such a hard such a hard go from the pulp today. Eh? <laughs> always <we're> always <laughs> beating up on Netflix. <laughs> <clears throat> or overindulging in gaming. Wasting your time, maybe reading pointless novels, maybe bad relationships, or whatever it is that's killing your time. But you need to trade it out for something that's better. Trade it out for time with Jesus. And I'm not saying those things are bad, because they're not bad on their own. But I'm saying, is there something that's better? People say, where do you get time? Well, you don't just get time, do you, Asher? You make time. That's right, you make time, and so a really practical thing you could do is you could make a trade, and then the third practice of consecration is dedication, and what areas can you dedicate yourself to God? We're going to come back to these a little bit soon, but uh, I want to talk about next week a little bit because next week we're starting our seven days of consecration, which i'm I'm really excited about. Um, cause we did 21 days of prayer and fasting at the start of the year and, and we had an amazing time of just worshiping every night, um, just for an hour, so simple, but just being able to press into the presence of God together. Um, and I tell you what, things shifted in personal lives, hearing stories, but also as a church just felt, felt like we kind of like took off, you know, and, um, and so coming up next week, starting tomorrow night, there we go, we're doing our seven days of consecration. And uh, we're going to do worship from our church, 6 till 7 every night. It's going to be a great time. And we have worship teams that are here that are dedicated to just, like, facilitate the presence. Um, I also want to encourage us, like, what could you What could you give up in this time? Could you fast something? I'm... Uh, as I was writing this, the Lord spoke to me real hard and fast and and told me to give up coffee. <laughs> do I already look tired? I've been weaning off this week, trying to <clears throat> do you know this is the second time in my whole adult life that I've given up coffee. first time I was doing a clinical drug trial, and it was like three days I had to stay over and they were looking at the symptom lists and I, I was experiencing all these symptoms, but they weren't on the list. And they're like, what is up with you? And then they're like, do you drink coffee? And I was like, oh, maybe five, six cups a day. And they're like, that is what is wrong. I was vomiting. I was doing all this kind of stuff. Anyway, Amy says she's going to fast me next week because I'm just going to be really hard to live with, with no coffee in my system. Um, I'm scared for my health. No, but but I want to fast something that's going to cost me. I'm not up here bragging. Because it's something simple. It's coffee. It's like, it's coffee, I guess. But he, yeah, you have been there. <laughs> and I heard you were a wreck for a month, eh? <laughs> but let's get uncomfortable for a little bit. Let's do something that will cost us. And I want to encourage everyone, like, often we hear these messages and it's like, oh, that's cool. Or, oh, yes, yeah, sweet man, I'm sure there'll be some people that'll turn up for that or that'll do that. But I want to speak to everyone and I want to say, don't sit on the sidelines. Like come and be a part of what God wants to do. Come here tomorrow night. It doesn't get more direct than this. Come here tomorrow night at 6 p.m. and worship with us because we're going to have an amazing time consecrating ourselves before the Lord. Fasting, worshiping, praying. For heaven to gain space in us the world must lose, Jordan's saying. And if we could channel the same energy that we have for the work grind, for the hustle, you know what I mean? The hustle. And we use that for Jesus, we would be an unstoppable church. I believe that. And so in the story with Joshua, he points out the obvious. He's like, that's the land over there. That's where we're going. He said, but first let's consecrate ourselves right here, right now. And they consecrated themselves. They aligned themselves with God. And then they watched as, as God used them in powerful ways. And as I was thinking about the scripture and as I was praying about it, I was thinking, hey, what if the promised land isn't that new home that we've been you know, wanting, that job promotion, that new flash car? What if the promised land for us as a church is seeing souls come into the kingdom? What if the promised land for us is people finally experience some kindness from Christians on Facebook? What if the promised land is our church overflowing with generous, ridiculously generous people, time, energy, resource? What if the promised land for us is seeing a selfless generation that's raised up, that's obedient to the word of God and they live uncompromisingly? This is the church we want to be. Is this the church you want to be? Yeah. And I I believe that we're already in the time now, I believe it feels like we're just ripe and ready for revival. Because the tide's already been lifting in the spirit, things are already happening. There are already more worship times. There are already more people praying. There are already more of these things. We've seen more and more people come into the revelation of sonship as, as they've discovered this secret place. Hunger's being birthed in each of us all around this room. And, and I even want to say as worship pastor, it's so exciting. But more and more musos and singers want to be a part of the seven days. We can't do acoustic sets like we did last time because we've got too many people that are in. That's so cool. That's like the biggest treat for me as as a worship pastor. But God is looking for people that he can trust. And we want to be that church. And for that to happen, we have to be obedient to his word. When he says, go into the secret place. When he says, consecrate yourselves to me. We want to be obedient to His word, and let me tell you, God brings a special anointing when His people consecrate themselves to Him. Do you know there's even a story in the Bible, in Acts? I was thinking about this the other day, where they offer sacrifices to the apostles because it says that they're just like dripping with anointing, and that, and they say, no, don't don't bring your sacrifices to us. It's it's God through us. It's not us. But they were just so on fire and they were just so passionate. And I'm like, man, what would it look like for us to just be that on fire for him? That people come to us and they're just like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> but I will say in the world today, there's a growing hostility towards consecration. And it stems from this humanistic view that we are already enough. That we can create our own future You know, that whole thing of autonomy. And then even here in New Zealand, anyone that stands out, anyone that stands up is likely to be cut down, right? That's the Kiwi way. And so what do Christians do? Well, I'll just compromise. I'll just compromise on my time reading the word. I'll just compromise on my prayer life. I'll compromise on all these things because the pressure's too much. How do you decontaminate yourself from unrighteousness you go to the secret place you consecrate yourselves cleanse sacrifice dedicate and i I want to read us the scripture as we kind of come to a close it's from 2 corinthians 6 14 shot hannah (laughs) sorry (laughs) hand she's gagging back there oh hand sorry (laughs) 2 Corinthians 6.14, it says this. Let these words sink into you. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? We are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. That's a promise. I will live with them and walk among them. They, I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you And you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. We just bow our heads. Lord, we just thank you for your word tonight. Lord, you've called us to live a life of consecration. A life of being set apart for you. And I even just believe right now you're just speaking to hearts, just ministering with your quiet, still voice. Just calling people deeper and deeper into that secret place. Lord, help us to be obedient to you and your word. Lord, help us to lay aside the idols, the things that stand in our way. Lord, we don't want to compromise, but we want to live in obedience. and I just pray that revelation over each of us in this room tonight what would it look like for us to go away go into the secret place give up 10 minutes give up half an hour an hour trade something out but Lord I just thank you that there's just so much joy there's so much freedom there's so much peace in your presence even feel that right now Lord And while we're here, I just want to pray if there's there's anyone in the room that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. This is a pretty cool opportunity here in this room. If anyone wants to make a decision for him, you've never said yes to Jesus before. You've never said, I want to follow you. Or maybe you have, maybe you've turned away. And tonight you want to come back home. What a great night to come home to Jesus! Now, if there is anyone in the room, I think there might be. I just love if you could lift your hand, and I'll see it. If see anyone in the room that wants to get right with Jesus, for God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son. It's for you and for me, what a treat! <laughs> is going to give us a few more seconds thank you Lord that you're ministering to hearts right now if you're online we don't do online that's right <laughs> awesome what I love is that everyone is on a journey whether you've been a Christian for five minutes, five months, five years, 50 years, we're all on a journey. And and I just want to encourage us all, uh, we're going to come around a time of communion really soon. And, and we're going to also use this as a time to reflect. I've actually got some questions that I've I've got here that I'd love to ask as we take communion. But as we take communion tonight, we remember and we celebrate what Jesus did for us on the cross. The bread that represents his body, which was broken for us. And the grape juice, which represents his blood, which was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And so when we take this tonight, we're celebrating with him the sacrifice that he made. And we celebrate that Jesus conquered the death. He conquered hell, he conquered the grave forever. So I'm just going to invite you now just to come forward, take some communion. talked about in the message, how consecration is typically marked by these three practices. And I'm just going to go through each one and I'd love if we could allow the Holy Spirit just to speak to us in this moment. If there's anything that he wants to pinpoint in your life, consecration is marked by cleansing, that we get cleansed from something cleansed from sin and we receive His forgiveness and maybe before we come into this time of consecration maybe there's someone that you need to forgive maybe you're holding on to worries that are outside of your control Maybe there's greed in your heart. Maybe there's bitterness. Maybe there's been some sexual behavior or something that you've indulged in. Maybe you've engaged with the occult or new age practices. And these are things that you need to get cleansed from. Holy Spirit, just highlight these things right now for people. just thank you for your grace that covers us, Lord. And just we repent of these things. That means we turn around from our sin and we receive your forgiveness, your grace. The second thing is sacrifice. And that is, is there anything the Lord is saying to you that you've got to sacrifice in this time? could be idols, could be things that are just wasting your time. The hard thing about this one is that it's going to cost you something. It's going to maybe cost your time. Might cost you your money. Your relational energy. But is there anything in this that you have to sacrifice. Holy Spirit, just pray that you will come right now and, and pinpoint things in our hearts and our lives that we need to bring into alignment with you that we have to sacrifice. And the final one is dedication. And what areas of your life Can you dedicate or rededicate yourself to God? Maybe it's dedicating yourself to the Word. You say, Well, I haven't read the Bible in like five years. Awesome. Jump on new vision, grab a Bible plan. It's so simple. And then grab people around you who can subscribe to you and they'll keep you accountable whether you're checking the box each day. Maybe you need to dedicate yourself to prayer. Maybe your prayer life sucks. By the way, I think there's a little bit of something in this for everyone. I think there's all something for us to get better in. And it's not a striving. We're not striving to get better and do better. Jesus has already paid the He's paid for it all. We're just simply coming into alignment with what He's got for us. Maybe you need to dedicate yourself to healthy relationships. Maybe you need to surround yourself with good people. Maybe you need to dedicate yourself to the secret place. You need to walk away from distractions and just dedicate yourself to time with God. So, Lord, we just thank you that you are speaking through these things. And there is something for all of us. Lord, and as we go into this week, this time of consecration, of prayer, worship, and fasting, Lord, I just thank you that as we give something up, as we sacrifice something, Lord, that we get to pick something up that's far greater. Or that we get to walk in power with you. And that's our prayer, that's our heart, just to walk closer to you, Jesus. We pray. Amen.